my goodness, my goodness, do we need a basis and source for ethics so we can honor our God? All of the various issues that come up day after day, week after week on, on the governmental front, the societal front, the business front, whatever it might be, um, all of them can leave us so shattered, so tattered, so torn between what works for them, what works for me, why, how, how do I know what's coming next, that kind of stuff. It pointed me right back to say, we know where the source for that is. We know where the answers to that it happens to happens to lie. And that's in who God is and what he's told us in his precious word. Welcome to Life in Christ, a podcast of The Landing. My name is Brent Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Landing. And I have the privilege of serving on the Elder Council with five other elders. One of them is Paul Anderson. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Brent. It's good to be here again. Thanks for being part of the the discussion on uh, Christian ethics. We've been having many rich discussions with different teachers of Christian ethics. We're basing our discussion on the writings of uh, a Christian ethics really a manual or a, a resource by Wayne Grudem. It's recently published. What was the experience like reading through these initial chapters in Grudem? It was great. I bet. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was something that it was easy to read through, and yet it was very easy to stop, go back over it time and time and time again as I tried to let the things that he had written saturate into my my thinking process. It's profitable reading, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I've read through his Systematic Theology and his Christian Ethics book, and we're going to talk a little bit today about the foundational chapters, the basis and source, but I found them even devotional. Yeah. In his Systematic Theology, there are hymns at the end of each chapter, Yes, and I find myself wanting to sing those hymns in response to what I've just read. Yeah. When we talk about ethics and the basis for our ethics, and we think about that that's God, of course. Yeah. I can't get through a half a chapter of saying, wow, yeah. this is God. Yeah. This is God who's Praise manifesting himself in ethics. Amen. You know, things that impact us minute by minute. Well, when he talks about ethics, he talks, if I remember right, I'll paraphrase, he's talking about discovering what the whole Bible says about specific practical questions of, of uh, purity and life and obedience that can be answered in a way that pleases God and doesn't displease Him. In other words, the the very nature of God as we understand Him theologically leads to a a lifestyle and choices and obedience and behavior that that matches Him. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited to get into specific topics as we go along here in the weeks to come. But as I think about that, what pleases Him is what lines up with who He is. And therein lies chapter, whatever it is we're working on. Today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that it might be helpful for listeners to know that just at the time of our recording a couple of weeks ago, you presented this material to our adult Sunday school class as part of a larger series where four of the six elders are rotating through various chapters in Wayne Grudem's book, Christian Ethics. And we're at the foundational chapters called Basis and Source now, so the looking at the very foundation of why we talk about ethics and how we derive those ethics. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, and I think we're all interested to hear, how you launched into that. Yeah. Well, I launched into it initially just thinking about where I am as a human being, where we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. And when I say we in that sense, I'm talking about those that are part of the faith family that we 
spend our time with yeah. mostly. And then I think where we are as human beings in this world we're living in. Yes. And it's, it's like, my goodness, my goodness, do we need a basis and source for ethics so we can honor our God? All of the various issues that come up day after day, week after week on, on the governmental front, the societal front, the, the business front, whatever it might be, um, all of them can leave us so shattered, so tattered, so torn between what works for them, what works for me, why, how, how do I know what's coming next, that kind of stuff. It pointed me right back to say, we know where the source for that is. We know where the answers of that it happens to happens to lie, and that's in who God is yeah. and what He's told us in His precious Word. That's right. Well, so many folks form their ethical decisions almost by accident. They form their decisions based on often the group think that they're in, the echo chamber that their that their conversations occur in maybe by the family they grew up in, maybe by tragic or difficult traumatic experiences they've had. Why would we turn to God and say, God, by your character, we're going to form our ethical decisions? Why would we turn to God? Yeah, because that pleases God, number yeah. one, because that brings glory to God. Yes. And it answers, this is a tough one to say, it answers all the questions you or I may have in regards to ethics. It really does. Yeah. That's an easy phrase to say. It's going to be a tough one to apply as we go through life together. But we would turn to God because it pleases him. He deserves that. And we're in a position to say, we need that. Yeah, that's we right. We need that. That's right. Well, Grudem talks about several elements about God and his character. Talk about some of the things in specific that bear on God's character, making him the foundation and basis for our ethics. Yeah. Well, Grudem uses some scriptures that I've, I've chosen to latch on to. For example, Psalm 119, mm-hmm. 68. You are good and do good, speaking of God. Teach me your statutes. Mm. So the psalmist is declaring that God is good. And it's interesting, in Hebrew, that word good in this particular verse has the flavor, the intention of morally good. Right. It doesn't mean like, I'll, I'll, like I'm good, I... I pick, take out the garbage when I'm supposed to or whatever, but right. morally good. So right. that, that's powerful. It's very powerful. The, yeah. um, another one that Grudem uses that I, I want to mention is Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock, again, God, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Just a powerful statement about, about who God is. Um, that Hebrew word perfect there, complete, intact, mm-hmm. blameless, without fault. Free of blemish, impeccable, honest. Yeah. Those are the, the words that came up with it. He, um, without iniquity, without perversity, without injustice, mm-hmm. without dishonesty. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the word just. When we say um, he's just and upright, innocent, he's in the right, he's devout. So those things point to the moral character of God, of who he is. Right. And... We, of course, are called to be like God, and we'll talk about that in just a second here, yeah. I expect. Yeah, yeah. Well, we haven't articulated it explicitly, but we've talked about it and assumed it in a couple of the sentences we've said so far. There's a bridge, isn't there, between the very impeccable goodness of God, his moral perfection, and the fact that he's made human beings in his image. Yeah, exactly. Calling us then to live up to the fullness of our humanity by living out the very moral character of God in our decisions, in our actions. 
knowing fully that under the curse of sin, we cannot do that apart from His help and His grace. But He's devoted to Himself as a just and good God, and He calls us then to be devoted to Himself as image bearers. So there's this assumption, and you can find this even among persons who've never read the Bible and don't know God at all. Maybe they're coming from some faraway uh, obscure tribe, or maybe they're coming from another part of the world or another time in history. You can see expectation in all humanity that there is a sense of right and wrong, a sense of justice, a sense of goodness, even a sense of beauty that they expect of one another. That's, that's absolutely true. And we'll see that in a little more depth here too as we talk about the fact that God has implanted in everybody mm-hmm. the ability to see mm-hmm. what is right and what is wrong, and therefore the just and the unjust will be judged. Well, Grudem begins to talk about God's moral character, and you've alluded to that in those passages. Uh, those moral, his moral, moral character over, overtakes or even precludes, it's a word that you've used and Grudem uses, his moral character precludes other moral standards. So there's competing moral standards. Well, there certainly are, yeah. First of all, he has called us to be holy as he is holy. He's called us to be merciful, even as he's merciful. He's called us to love because he first loved us. There are other competing standards, if you will. I don't want to use the word standards. Other competing targets that we're called or enticed to try and use. But the ones that we've just mentioned are the ones that are true and will last forever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter what changes, those will be true forever and ever. And that's why God calls us to it. And that's why God points us in the direction of saying, the moral standards that aren't these don't work. They don't rise up to his character, they, do they? They preclude everything else. Yeah. They fail, yeah. Being the holy God that he is, being the perfect God that he is, being the all-knowing God he is, all the things we've talked about in, in uh, the systematic theology classes that we did, mm-hmm. all of those things mean that God could not have a different set of standards, moral standards for us than what he expresses himself. He couldn't be perfect and holy and loving and kind and say, murder those people when you get a chance. That's a terrible thing to say. Or, or don't show love to that group. That, you know, that's, that's not where God is. That's not God's moral character. And so to be consistent with his character, which we know that he is, because he never changes, he lays out for us what it is we need to apply in our life to follow and become more and more like him as his Holy Spirit works in us to do that work. When you were encountering the scriptures and and Grudem's assembling of those passages together, what are some of the key passages that helped us understand this this, uh, mysterious and yet wonderful connection between the way God is and the way we ought to be? The way God is and the way we ought to be. I know Grudem touches on so many different passages of scripture that link those two together. You've alluded to one. Since he is holy, therefore be holy. And we can't merely define holiness there as is colloquially often defined as separation. I think that's an entailment of holiness. The way God defines holiness most often in the scriptures, I think most foundationally, is devoted. God is devoted to God. Therefore, we are to be devoted to God. For we bear his image, and we will be judged by the standard of his holiness, his devotion to himself. Well, in, in 2 Corinthians, the apostle, or 1 Corinthians, the apostle instructs us to be imitators of him as he is of Christ. 
that that answers the question in one regard. In the same the same apostle in Ephesians, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. We have the model of Jesus Christ, the perfect man who is God, walking on earth without sin, applying moral standards as God demonstrates, and we have that as an example. And then there are passages of Scripture, and I'm not sure, I don't remember in in reading these chapters in Grudem whether he dwells on these here, but they occur to me as we're talking that for the believer, Ephesians 1, 12 and 13 says, I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The term the baptism of the Holy Spirit is used five different times in the New Testament to refer to the being born again of a person out of darkness into light. So now I not only have God the Father in His holiness, and I have Christ dying on the cross for my sins and granting to me His righteousness by faith, but now I've got God living inside of me. I've got the very God who is Himself holy living inside of me, and I am not yet as holy as He is holy. So shouldn't this get just a tad bit exciting? Yeah. <laughs> because think about it. Think about it. It's there. He's got it inside of us. Right. And we look, we look high and low for how do we do this? What do we do? You know, mm. This situation is just perplexing. It's, it's there. God has given it to us. He should, he's shown it by demonstration. He's written it in his word. He's got it inside of us, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we need to bow before him and say, Father, we want to submit to your word and your will. Can you ever remember in your life, Paul, a time in which you remember the Spirit of God guiding you or guiding you as a dad or as a husband or as an individual at work or in your own personal life where the Spirit of the Lord made it easy for you to keep in step with him mm. as you were making individual decisions for Paul? I don't know if this is applicable, but I go back to when I had my saving encounter with Jesus Christ. Sure, sure. Um, I could I could pick up other things along the way since then, but I, Brent, I can't tell you how it happened. Hmm. But one day, one day, it was clear to me through the the Spirit moved on me, and I, and and it's like something's changing. Praise God! And God's calling me. To set this aside and focus over here, right, and follow him in all things, right. Not just in going to church with my family, right. Not just in making sure we contribute to the well-being financially of the church, but he wants me to follow him in everything. Yes. And when that happened, all of a sudden, my relationships at my next class reunion were different. My mm. relationships at work became different. Mm. My focus at work became different. So yeah, it was just, it was, it made, so I, I could take each one of those little branches I talked about and probably pick out 10 examples. Right. But I won't do that for the sake of the time right now. But um, that's the one that really, it just jumps at me that, that when, when he invaded my life, I couldn't stop him. I didn't want to stop him, but right, I couldn't right. stop him. Right, right. What a wonderful example. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, as, as the material from these chapters, Dr. Grudem's Christian Ethics book. We're talking about the basis and source of Christian ethics from Wayne Grudem's excellent book, Christian Ethics. And Paul, you presented this so well. Uh, what are what are some of the elements of God's character that we want to touch on uh, that come to your mind, either passages of Scripture or elements of God's character that begin to inform how we think about our ethical decisions? I think the fact that He is just the fact that he will judge the entire earth regardless of where the entire earth, and by earth I mean people, regardless of where the entire earth wants to be or chooses to be, he will judge the entire 
earth, all of mankind, all of humankind. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that will inform us as we look at what it is God has laid out for us in the scriptures. Absolutely. And, and it, there's so many pressing social issues right now, all the way from, from uh, the issue of marriage to the issue of abortion, so many pressing issues that, that all, all people, all people on the face of the earth someday will be judged for that because he's a just God. So likewise, he calls us to be like him. He wants us to walk in holiness and not compromise where, where it is that those things are putting pressure on us to compromise. Do you think that's part of what the scriptures mean when they use the phrase so often, the fear of the Lord? Well, I think so. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's part of it. It's a healthy thing, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the book of Proverbs yeah. is based on wisdom yeah. comes from the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And that is, wisdom in your daily practical ethical decisions arrives as you are fully agreeing to the fact that one day a just and holy God will judge the world. I think of Matthew 12. Jesus is, is teaching, and he's being very, very direct. Uh, and he says to... Uh, those who had questioned him about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he ultimately says at the end of that teaching moment in verse 31, he says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Our very words, yeah. our very words will be judged, according to Jesus in Matthew 12, toward the end there. 31 and 32. It's sobering and it's also energizing because it seems to resonate with some deep sense of right and wrong inside all of us. Some deep sense that there's a God, and like Romans 1 says, we know He is powerful and we know He is glorious and exalted and creative and that all human beings owe a debt of thanksgiving to Him. But many, all of us, universally, apart from Christ, have resisted, rebelled against that thanksgiving and sought to worship the creation rather than the creator, which is ultimately a way of saying, I want to be God. I want the creation to serve me. I place myself in the place of God when he alone is the creator and sustainer of the world. So it's even in Romans 1, you get this clear image that all human beings have this sentiment woven into the very fabric of humanity, the very image of God that says, I owe something to the creator who created me yeah. and gave me the conceptual ability to think about him and the conceptual ability to notice right and wrong around me. When you think of any other ways to apply this grand idea that the very character of God informs and gives shape and definition to our ethics... Any other thoughts come to mind? As you were speaking just a minute ago, I was thinking that there's real comfort and assurance also when we see things around us. I, I know that many within our faith family spend time praying that God will stop some of the atrocities that society is executing right now. And somehow, some way in God's providence, we don't see... The change occurring this minute. It's true. And and yet I think that based, you know, kind of on what you just talked about and what we see in an unchanging God, a just God, a God who knows everything from start to end and will will execute justice when 
when justice needs to be executed. We know that he hasn't lost control, and we know Amen. what he expects, wants, desires from us for his glory. So it doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter, <laughs> that the world around us is shaking, showing some signs of crumbling. What does matter is that God is the basis of Christian ethics, and in a bit we'll talk about the Bible is the standard for that. Right. And that being the case, we keep on. That's right. Well, his character will never change, will it? No. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Exactly. And for your children and grandchildren, for my children and grandchildren, and for generations to follow until Christ returns, and on into eternity forever and ever, his character will never change. Amen. What a glorious thought. Would you pray for us as we draw this conversation to a close? Father, thank you that you once again demonstrate your great love, your great mercy, by not leaving us without clear direction, clear understanding of what we can do as far as walking in this world you've placed us in. You have shown us who you are. You have shown us that you're unchanging. You have shown us that you're completely just. You have shown us that you're full of love, overflowing love. You have shown us that all who call on your name will be saved. You have shown us clearly in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, that you approve of this and you don't approve of that. And you've given us the choice to walk and and build the basis for our life on that. Father, thank you for laying that out for us. I pray, God, that you would give each one of us, all all those that are within the sound of my voice right now, the clear ability in their spirit to hear you speaking to them, saying that situation that you're looking at right now, pay attention to what my word says, and then direct through the power of your Holy Spirit to the specific spots where you want us to see what it is that you have for us in that situation. You meet all of our needs. You never leave us wondering. You never leave us without a means of being victorious when we're in you. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. Thank you for causing us becoming more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for who you are, the great and glorious, never-changing, completely just and understanding God. Amen. 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 Paul, thank you. Appreciate your being a part of this conversation. You're welcome. It's always a joy to visit with you and and learn from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Life in Christ. Uh, My name is Brent Nelson, and we are very happy to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments about Life in Christ, reach out to the church through the website, our phone number, or the email. We'd be happy to hear from you. If you would like to know what it means to follow Christ, we would love to introduce you to him. He is the best thing about our lives. He's the best thing about our church. He's the best thing about this glorious world we live in. And knowing Christ is our great aim and hope for all those who are a part of our church family or encounter our church, both among our neighbors and among the nations of the earth. So please reach out to us if for any way and in any possibility we might be of help and encouragement to you. Or if you have suggestions or ideas that you might offer to us with regard to this podcast or other ministries. It's our aim at the landing to savor our hope in Christ, to strengthen it, and to spread it. If you want to come and be a part of that, you are welcome. We'd be glad to get to know you and welcome you into the work that God is doing among us. If you have a home church, dive into it. Pour yourself into it. Invest yourself into your home church. Make yourself available with all that you are to serve the Lord with all your might while you are there and among your faith family. Thank you for listening to Life in Christ. 
This podcast is a ministry of The Landing Church in Duluth, Minnesota. For more resources or information about The Landing, visit www.thelanding.church.